This show is a proud member of the TechPodcast.com network. Find out more about this and other shows at www.techpodcast.com. TechPodcast.com. If it's tech, it's here. shine the digital light for all and dive headfirst into the world of technology and other things from a female's point of view. If you want to get in touch with me, the girl on tech, your ever-friendly geeky diva on call, there is several ways you can do it. You can send me an email or an audio comment. I take those gladly at girlontech at gmail.com. You can also contact me there if you use Google Talk. You can... uh, Leave a comment on the website at girlontech.com. You can Skype or you can gizmo me at the Girl on Tech, or you can leave us a call on the talk line at 206-339-GIRL. That is 206-339-4475. Services proudly provided by K7.net. And, oh, my goodness, it's been a trip for the girl in the past few weeks. I've got a lot to tell you about in this very special edition of the Girl on Tech after a few quick words from our sponsors. You've got to check out GoToMeeting. Why? Because you can hold meetings right over the net from anywhere. Plus, you can hold all the meetings you want for one flat rate. You can try it free for 30 days, and no, you don't need a credit card to get started. Just visit GoToMeeting.com slash TechRoundTable. That's GoToMeeting.com slash TechRoundTable to get your free trial now. Ah, yes, the Girl on Tech is proudly sponsored by GoToMeeting.com. We're also sponsored by GoDaddy.com. Who doesn't love saving money, especially around the holidays when it comes to shopping? And you know the girl's going to set you up. The girl's going to save you 10% on any order with GoDaddy.com. And they just upgraded all their hosting packages to some pretty sweet deals. So head on over to GoDaddy.com and put in promo code GIRL. That is G-I-R-L when you check out. That'll let them know, hey, the girl sent you over. Now, this is a really special edition of the Girl on Tech podcast, and let me tell you why. A few weeks ago, I was asked to give a little lecture at the Indiana Business Educators Association conference that was held in Indianapolis this past November. November the 11th, I believe it was. 
And this was also held in conjunction with the North Central Business Educators Association Conference. They were both held at the same time in the same place. And I was asked to give a lecture about educational podcasting since my school is currently doing the same thing. Yay! Check out classroomcast.org and you'll see what I'm up to. So this is actually the recording that I did of the lecture that I presented called Podcasting 101 using your computer to educate your classes and the masses on this very special edition of The Girl on Tech. She's a former DJ who has been in the radio and television business for 12 years. She discovered podcasting in November of 2004 after hearing about it from technical guru and television personality Leo Laporte when he interviewed podcasting's co-creator, former MTV DJ Adam Curry. Jennifer began the Girl on Tech podcast, which is located at girlontech.com, in December of 2004. The show now reaches several different countries and garners over 2,000 hits a day. She joined Tech Podcast Network in April of 2005, which prides itself on providing educational, family-friendly, technology-based podcasts. Jennifer also serves as, serves as co-founder of the Educasters.net, which strives to be a top resource of educational podcasting. So, welcome, Jennifer. Wow. Thank you all so much for having me out here on a Friday where we get a little break from our students. And unfortunately, some of us may have had me as a student. (laughs) I have to admit something. Young lady back there in the corner in the orange jacket, I had as a business business teacher for three years. Miss Moody back there in the back, so she... Got me back in my high school days when I was still running my mouth more than anything. <laughs> but I am here also with a brand new media company called Raw Voice Media, um, which I joined about three weeks ago as their content manager. Um, I am very proud today, too, that we are launching a brand new network that I'll tell you about a little later on. It's located at podcasternews.com. So let's talk about this. Let's podcasting. Are we talking about invasion of the body snatchers here? This isn't a sci-fi film. What we're going to cover a little bit today, let me get out of one thing here. I'm going to talk about podcasting a little bit, give you a little bit of history on it. We're going to, I'm going to show you guys how you can get started doing this within your individual schools. Before I joined uh, Indiana Business College as an instructor, I was a, techno- I was a technology specialist for Clay Community Schools for three years. And the one thing that just irritated me so badly is that we had the tools but not the energy. We had the talent, but not the drive. 
What I'm about to show you today can not only benefit your students, but it can also help them find new careers. It can also help them boost their social skills. And maybe, just maybe, find that one link, that one little bump in the road that can break them out of their shell. I know because it did for me. Now the CDs that you have, contain all the programs and everything you need to get started. So you can walk out of here today and start producing. All the programs that I've given you, with the exception of one, are free and open source. So they're completely usable. So let's talk about what is this? What is podcasting? How many of you guys have ever heard of the word blog? B-L-O-G. How many of you guys have a blog? Perfect, then you're already one step ahead of the game. Two guys, two former geeks. One guy, if you're around my age, you may have seen him. He started out in the early days of MTV, was the skinny, blonde-haired guy with the big hair, hosting Headbangers Ball. His name was Adam Curry. Since he left MTV, he started a wide number of technical ventures. He was a geek at heart. He met up with another geek by the name of Dave Weiner. And he and Dave emailed each other back and forth a lot. But they were really into audio, theater of the mind. So they started emailing audio files of different interviews they download off the internet. They do it back and forth all the time. And they were thinking, what if there was a way that they could have this done automatically? Where a person wouldn't even have to think about it. They could start up a program, boom, have all this wonderful content from across the net downloaded right to their computer. So they got to thinking. And they used a basic subscription model that is based off of RSS. Let me break down the geek terms here. RSS stands for Really Simple Syndication. I'll show you what one feed actually looks like. Let me see if the network will be nice to me. Probably not, but we'll continue on. Now, if you pull one of these RSS feeds from any website or any blog, you probably will look at it and say, oh, my word. Because it would look like a whole mess of words that if you would look at it, probably would make absolutely no sense. So they decided to build a program that would recognize and use these feeds. 
It took them about two and a half years to do it. And the program was called iPod or Lemon, which you do have a copy of on your CDs. They introduced this, and it blew up. I mean, whoo, got really big really quick. As a matter of fact, there's a group of podcasters having a really big party in Ontario, California right now at a musical at a podcast expo. It went from maybe a group of 25 pretty dedicated podcasters at the start to a list of 15,000 podcasts out there and growing every day. And the big boys are standing up and taking notice. We have entities like ABC, CBS, NBC, major movie studios, PBS, even the White House is podcasting. Can you believe that? I'm surprised George Bush can work an iPod. <laughs> then again, that's a bad joke. We'll go on. What podcasting is, let's break this down a little further. It gives you and me and anybody in this room the opportunity to have their own radio show. They could format it any way they want and have it available as a download and listened to by thousands of people across the country. When I check my web stats for my own two shows, I see stats from countries I didn't even know exist. So it blows my mind how far shows can reach. And think about it. If your school offers foreign language programs, there's Spanish-speaking podcasts out there. There's German-speaking podcasts. There's French-speaking podcasts out there. Think of the possibilities you can use that to download and have them translate. There's major business corporations out there that are recognizing the power of this medium. GM, Ford. Major business entities are using podcasting as a marketing tool. Again, another great chance for your students. Have them analyze what they talk about in the market. Now, what do you need to get started? What are the bare-boned essentials that you will need to get started? First things first, you need an idea. What I would do and what I have done is I have students come together into teams and have them build their own show. Have them figure out what they want to talk about, how they want to talk about it, who they're going to talk to about it. 
Do any of your schools have same morning announcements? Like on the TV or after Channel 1 or something like that? Perfect opportunity for them to break down the morning announcements, put it in this format, and have this available through their school website. Because what is the number one complaint that most parents will give schools? Don't share information. That's the number one complaint I got and I still get. Make it goof proof. And what an opportunity to show off what you're doing in school. Have a parent night. Have the parents come in with the kids. Show off your computer lab. Show off your, your facilities. Teach them how to load up an RSS feed. Show them where the files are. An outstanding PR opportunity is waiting for you guys by using this medium. And why is this medium so powerful? Because we are delivering content that is essential to our students' development in no matter what field they're doing in a format that they know and a format that they recognize with. At the last keynote address, Steve Jobs, the head of Apple Computer, when he finally released the video iPod, 15 million MP3 songs are downloaded in a single year from the iTunes Music Store. More kids than ever are bypassing the record store and going online to download their music. What if they could download a lecture that they may have missed in class if they were sick? What if a student is having trouble understanding concept and maybe needs to have it repeated to them over and over and over before the light bulb goes off. Golden opportunity right here. Now what do you need for all of this? A computer, number one. Now a lot of school systems are probably working with, shall we say, equipment that may have passed its prime. <laughs> so check with your IT guys and gals, because I know there's a few IT gals in there, and make sure that your computer system could handle it. A microphone. If you're just starting out with this, any standard microphone will work. If you have a gamer in the house, anybody who plays like Xbox Live or goes online to play games, snatch their headset mic when they're not looking. <laughs> if 
because it all centers down, ladies and gentlemen, to your computer's sound card. This is where all of the lovely sound and all the lovely information goes out of your mouth in through the microphone and is processed in the sound card. That's where all the magic happens. What else do you need? A headphones or speakers. Preferably not the microphone real close to the speakers or you will get some nasty feedback. Now, the next part of what you'll need to get started is kind of the tricky part. Because if your school wants to start something like this, you, want, you might want to take as less stress off your computer's network at your school as possible. So you might want to consider using an outside hosting provider. The least expensive one, and one that I highly recommend, is Libsyn, Liberated Syndication, or Libsyn for short. Their plans go as low as $5 a month and give you everything that you need. Questions on anything up to here? Yes. Okay, first off, that's a really good question. Let me explain one of the terms she just mentioned bandwidth. Think of your internet connection as a highway. If you have a two lane highway, one line of cars going one way and one line of cars going the other way. Especially in rush hour traffic coming off of 465, it can be kind of slow. So the more cars on that two-lane highway, the, the more time it's going to take to get to your destination, is it not? So consider that very slow bandwidth. If it takes you more than an hour to download a five megabyte file, you've got bandwidth issues. <laughs> but say you've got a 14 lane highway, seven lanes going one way, seven lanes going the other way. That way, if you have a slow driver, you can pass them up. A good analogy I can leave you with the bandwidth is this. The more lanes to your highway, the faster your bandwidth is, or the faster your download speeds are going to be. How many of you have gotten a huge attachment in email from somebody or something that you wanted to use in class, and it took you forever to download it because everybody was checking their email at the same time? That's a bandwidth issue. If you're seriously considering doing something like this at your school, Again, check with your IT guys to see how much bandwidth they use on a either daily, weekly, or a monthly basis. Your IT guys will have tracking tools or should have tracking tools 
available on their network that can track this for you. Yes? When you're talking about this, I, I'm trying to picture you the same with issues. Am I going to, if I have it on my local school network, uh -huh. am I going to get it faster than if I have to go out to some other place that's hosting it and download it each time? You should be getting it at the same speed either way. It all depends on where you're connected at. So this stress on my network is if my local IT people are willing to deal with this, Mm -hmm. It's not going to be an advantage either way. Right. So, so the stress is, if they don't want to deal with it, I'm better off going out. If they don't want to deal with it, then you're better off going to an outside provider. Same performance or productivity either way. Right. This is good. All right. Some of the benefits of this for your students. Again, we talked about one of these earlier, retention. At my school, again, I teach at Indiana Business College, we recently started doing this. And in one case scenario, it has helped several students out tremendously because you're dealing with giving a lot of information, a lot of lecture, and a lot of lab assignments given in a short amount of time. You may be meeting with a student for 50 minutes, 55 minutes, 90 minutes. You've got a lot of information to deal with, and you have to give it in a short amount of time. Make sure more of that time is given to your students to help them understand. Give them the tools to do so. One good example of this is Purdue University. Purdue University started something this school year called the Boiler Cast. I do have a link to the boiler cast on your CDs, so you don't have to worry about copying down a link. What several professors have done, simply so they can have more time with the students to help them through complex projects, they record their lectures one time, upload it to their boiler cast, and assign lecture listening every semester. So then when the class meets maybe one, two nights a week, more time can be spent on projects, more time can be spent working one-on-one -on -one with the student, more time can be spent answering student questions and concerns, and less time with the blank stare syndrome looking up at the instructor and not knowing what's going on. How many of you guys have had that? <laughs> and again, since we're dealing with the medium that our students can relate to, they get excited about it. And when they get excited about it, they want to take part. 
they're curious about. And when they're curious, they'll have questions. And when they have questions, who do you hope they turn to for the answer? Us. Public speaking. I know several of you give assignments as speeches, verbal reports. And how many of you guys have students that look down at the floor and read their report like this? And you can't hear them because they talk so softly. They can use this as practice to help them increase their vocal tasks, vocal speak. To help them be more confident. I know when I started radio at 16 and heard myself on the radio for the first time, I'm like, wow, I sounded like that? <sighs> Persuasive arguments. They may be going back and forth in a debate with somebody and you want to record this. Again, if it's a subject that they're passionate about, get them recorded, and you've got a show on your hands. You can record your students in a debate and maybe play it back for another class. Have them analyze who won, who didn't, who were the strong points, who had the weak points, who won the arguments, and who didn't. And also, it can help increase their technical knowledge. I tell my students this about every time. You pick up the one ads, the classified ads, at any newspaper from any town in anywhere USA, and you're looking for a job, naming one thing that most employers are looking for, some kind of computer skills. Back when our parents were just getting out into the world and looking for work, probably the least they had to remember how to do was to lift 50 pounds and write their name clearly. Man, how times have changed. Now we've talked about some of the benefits of this medium. Now some of the pitfalls, and there is, there can be, depending on what school system you're in, there could be a few. First off, convincing your curriculum directors or your superintendents on this. In one case scenario, I brought this idea to a curriculum director. I had all of my numbers, all of my everything ready to go. Then she asked me one question. Who's Adam Curry? As soon as I explained who Adam Curry was, done. The more, I, I'll give you this from personal experience. The more footwork you guys do on your own, 
to get the numbers, to get the cost, to get the plans, the easier it will be for your superintendent, for your principal, for your curriculum director to say, okay. Does your school have an online use policy? I know I hate to use the example again, but with, in, at Clay Community Schools when I was working there, we had such a policy in place that we couldn't post student pictures on our school website. We couldn't even post names on our school website without strict permission from the parent. So again, check with your technology committees, check with your IT guys to see if such a policy exists. And if it does, before you begin this, make sure the proper paperwork goes home to the parents, it gets signed, and you have it on file. Because I'm sure as we all have heard, the internet sometimes cannot be a nice place to be. And the big one, money. As you probably are all aware, schools in Indiana are facing tight financial times. I fell victim to that. I fell victim to that twice. It's hard. But there are ways to use this medium and use it to help you. You can make this part of an after-school club. For a lot of them, I know there are gifted and talented monies available. You can use the gifted and talented monies to maybe pay for part of the hosting. You could look for community support. If you have a local newspaper or a local radio station in your town, approach them about it. Great job shadowing opportunity there. Plus they can sponsor and maybe provide some of the hosting for you. Or you can look for technology-based or No Child Left Behind grants. I know in a few of them that I looked through last year, allowments were in the paperwork for items like this. So the money is out there if this is something you seriously want to have. Any questions? Any at all? Yes. I have a question about the procedure sometimes in your time that you take a microphone, you record on the computer, and then the software where you gave us is to transmit it to Actually, what do you say we podcast right now? What do you say? Okay. And I'm going to do this.
with the program that I have put on the CDs for you. First off, I'm going to open up Audacity. Audacity is a free and open source audio recording program. Both Windows and Mac friendly. So if you've got Mac, Mac Labs, you can use this too. You can also use this as a pretty cool science project, especially if you're dealing with sound waves. See what I mean? If you're recording from the microphone, now I don't have a microphone hooked up to this, but there is a microphone on the laptop here. We click on the input drop here and choose microphone. Now if you see here, you have several other drops available. Stereos, you can pull audio from video, CD audio, even phone lines. But in our case here, I'm going to hit microphone. Then all I need to do is hit record. Now if you notice, the sound is recorded into these sound waves here. And it's followed along in a two-track stereo. This is the left side of it, and this is the right. If you, if you see what I mean here by sound waves, you can show them how when voices get louder, waves go higher. Then when you're finished recording, you just hit stop. You can use your directional arrows here and here to go back to the beginning of the track. Then play it back. Now if you notice, the sound is recorded into these sound waves here. And it's followed along in a two-track stereo. So everything is now saved onto here. Now, what we can do is do a little bit of editing before we upload this. Say, for example, this is what broadcasters call dead air, where no speaking is going on. So you can simply highlight it just like you would a piece of text in Word and hit delete and it goes away. Plus you can add some neat effects too with this program. I've highlighted this block here. I go up to effect and check out what you have. All of these neat little tools that your students can go crazy with. Especially if you've, if you've forgotten to take in your Advil before class. <laughs> So what you can do here, for example, I will use the invert on this. Then I'll press play and listen. The sound is recorded into these sound waves here. And it's followed along in a two... Okay, that didn't work. Ha! Let's use another effect here. Say if you got one of those soft-speaking students. And you've 
recorded audio with them five to six times and they still talk this low. You can use this program to boost it up by clicking Amplify. You move the drag bar either up or down depending on how much you want to adjust the audio to make it louder or softer. You hit OK. And see the difference in the sound? So we went from, in this block here, having sound at this level to sound at this level. Now, the next thing after you have your audio recorded that you want to do is convert it. And you convert it in the most common way, and that's to an MP3 file. Now, on your CDs also is an MP3 encoder called LAME, L-A-M-E. Hand to God, that's what it's named. Well, after you install Audacity on whatever type of computer you have, you will need to unzip the lame recorder, the lame decoder, I should say, and put it somewhere on your hard drive so Audacity can find it. Because it uses that encoder to change my audio from this to an MP3 file. And here's all I need to do. File. Export as MP3. Then it's going to ask me to name my file, just like I was saving a file in Word or Excel. I hit Save. Then it gives me this. These are what are called ID3 tags. And for budding podcasters and veteran podcasters alike, this is very crucial. Why? Because if somebody was downloading this and putting this onto an MP3 player, say like this one right here, the ID3 tag, the title, the artist, the genre, or any comments would scroll in your little screen. So you can put on here the title, the artist or album, the genre. Then once you're finished with putting in your ID3 tags, you hit OK. And then it converts. And it's done. So what you can do after you've exported is to open up any standard MP3 player on your computer, Windows Media Player, Real Player. I'm using Winamp here. Find the file and play it back. Let me find it here. Here it is right here. Now if you notice... Now you notice here, 
This is part of the ID3 tag that I put into the file before I converted it. So now you've got the major part of this done. Any questions up to here? Yes. Is that, I was going to say, like, let's say I was, had a student that was listening to this and trying to follow along with something and he missed something. How precise can he slide back and listen to a previous? Yes, he noticed. By using Winamp right here, what you can do is click and hold on the player bar. If you notice, I've got a little bar that goes here. He can click and hold on this guy and move it back. No, no, not at all. And as a matter of fact, for those of you who have Apple computers, there's an additional tool that if you go to apple.com, you can download and use what's called a chapter tool. And you can actually make time codes to different parts of your lecture. Then all they would have to do is select the proper chapter that they need, and it starts them from right there. Yes? You can get MP3s in other ways. Um, Adobe Audition, if you have that, that's a perfect. That's also an excellent program to use. Um, for Apple users, there's a GarageBand, there's SoundFlower, there's uh, other really high-end, really good audio-producing software on there. But they also can cost into three to four figures as well. So just for every high-end um, software package used for audio. There's several different free ones as well. I think I had, yes. You can also just, uh, if you have the MP3 player, most of them record sound. So you, I don't know how much sound they will record if it's limited. Mm -hmm. But if you just record on that, it would automatically be downloaded on your computer. MP3. Right. Like for this, for this one right here. I'll walk around so you guys can see this. This is a very small MP3 player. It's from iRiver. And basically, it's recording this lecture right now as I speak. I use this for classroom lecture as well. It took me a little bit to convince my executive director to let me wear this around my neck during class. But then what I can do is when I hit the stop recording, I can pull the audio file from this onto my computer and it's already in an MP3 format so I can immediately put it in a feed and upload it. Yes, as a matter of fact, I will be making this a part of my show feed and that should be up by tomorrow. Um, probably about, if I can compress it correctly, probably about maybe 10, 12 meg. And talk, talk, talk to me about compressing <laughs> Basically, what compression is, is that you're taking a humongous file 
and you're compressing it down into a smaller format. Something that gives you a little cleaner quality and better sound. Yes? No, actually, Audacity is totally free. It's on the, it's on the and it's on the CDs. Yes. Okay. Now, if you can, you said you could um, get it as low as five dollars a month. Mm -hmm. And if you can download these programs for free, why would you need to worry about expenses if you already have computers? Mm -hmm. So where does all the expense come in? Well, most of the expense would be to come in is that if your IT guys would, say, not want to put up with having that additional load on their network. Or there's a lot of also free services out there, free hostings, like Tripod and there's some others. Uh, I know for Verizon users, if you use your Verizon DSL, you get a set, um, set uh, amount of web space to start with, so you can use that as well. So it really wouldn't entail too much expense? Not at the start, no. Not at the start. Not at the start. But say if you want to expand this to say um, you teach at Michigan City and say if you guys want to do a, a, a joint cast between Michigan City and Memorial, 10, 10 gigabytes a month may not be enough to handle it. Especially if you're dealing with a lot of files on the server. Say if you're lecturing three times a day and you're uploading it and you're leaving it on there, that can entail a lot of space being used. So you pay according to how much space you need? Yes, you pay to how much space you need. Did that answer your question? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes? Now, if it's sitting out there on one of these you know, host things, can somebody anywhere, I mean, can anybody access my lecture? Like they, they happen to be out on a web search and they find out that, they, that I've got this brilliant lecture out there on, you know, the marketing functions or something that I've done. I mean, can mm -hmm. anybody listen to me? Anybody can listen to you. Okay, so it's not something that's like locked off and the kids have to... No. So if mom and dad want to hear how to open up and, and save something in Excel and create a chart using Chart Wizard, mom and dad could lift, open it up and listen and actually work on the computer and follow steps that I'm telling them to do? Absolutely. And especially now with the release of the video iPod, there are video podcasts out there being made available. I mean, is that the next thing that's coming is being able to do this and doing downloading a video podcast? Of Absolutely. A, of a project or something that we're doing in class? Mm -hmm. A demonstration? Mm -hmm. it's just more, so it's a virtual more, classroom. More space, more storage. More space, more storage. The more, the more spot you got that you need space for, the more possible expense you could be taking on. But remember, this can also open up wonderful distance learning opportunities for your students and even for your parents as well. Yes? Usually anywhere between 10 to 25 to start out with. Then maybe after a month's time, you can measure how much you're using of it and adjust accordingly. And if any of you guys want to do this at your school, I will be more than happy to go out there and help you out.
I am that jazzed about this type of media. I will be more than happy to help you guys get started. Yes? That's a good, that's a good question. Viruses. Very real threat. One that your IT guys, if you're loading this on your school network, they should be scanning their servers. And if they don't, kick them in the head. <laughs> they should. <laughs> but the earlier ones that I showed you, the GoDaddy and the Libsyn, I know the co-founder of Libsyn, a guy by the name of Dave Chekin. Uh, it's a weird pronouncing of that last name. And I can assure you from him that he is very vigilant about viruses. Any other questions? All right, let's go to step two. RSS feeds. Once you have this lovely file that you're ready to make available to the potosphere, as it's called, you're probably running scared at this point, wondering how in the world am I going to program all of that feed together so that programs like iPod or program, programs like Doppler Radio, even now with iTunes <coughs> handling podcasts. I put a program on your CDs for you that makes RSS building almost goof-proof. It's called Feed for All. It's like a wizard in Word. You put in the information, feed for all creates the feed. So for example, I'm going to go feed and new. And if you notice here, it gives me an untitled. In the required tab over here, can everyone see around my head? <laughs> Let me try. For here, you can actually name your feed. For example, conference feed here. Then you can put a link up to your school website or to your own blog site or what have you. Now, the items. This is where each individual item on your feed go. The first item, you fill in what it is. Conference audio. Then you fill in a brief description of what your audio is. This was audio recorded from the ENS. Is that the correct acronym? It is? Good, I got on the right first shot. Yay. <laughs> All right. Then, the link. The link is important. Why? Because this actually, your RSS feed will point to wherever you have this file hosted on your network. 
So for example, if I was going to upload that file that we just recorded to my personal server, which is on bluehost.com, another good one, I put in the full address, forward slash, the name of my file, and the tag, which is .mp3. Now, the optional. There's a lot of spots here, but the only one that needs filled is this, the enclosure. Because with what podcatching software does is that it scans the feed and looks for that enclosure line. So this is where you need to put in, again, your file information. The URL of the file, the length. Now, if you notice here, my length is 34 seconds. I'm going to show you a neat trick in Excel to help you convert that 34 seconds into a time length that RSS understands. And this took me a month and a half to try to figure out, but I got it. So, <laughs> in the first cell in Excel, you're going to put in the time length of your show, which for me would be 0, colon, 0, 0, colon, 34, or 34 seconds. I hit the green, the, uh, green check to accept the data. Then from the format menu, I'm going to go cells and general. Now you notice how it turned that time into this long number? One, two, three, four, five. The three, nine, three, five, one, the first five numbers that you see after the zero is what you put in your length. Again, the first five numbers you see after the zeros go into your length. So what I can do here is back here in the length, I would put 39351. Then in the type, since we are dealing with audio, I'm going to put in audio forward slash MPEG3. MPEG3 is short for MP3. If I was going to put in a video that say I created using QuickTime, I would put in video forward slash MOV. MOV is the file name extension that you would get for a QuickTime movie file. But again here, since we're dealing with audio, we're going to put in audio forward slash MPEG-3. We click back up here in the enclosure line, and everything is put in exactly how it should. And that's all you need to do. So we're going to go feed and save.
We're going to name this feed conference. Hit save. Now, to you in feed for all, the feed looks pretty simple. But in real life, RSS looks like this. And this is that enclosure line, which is what pod catching software looks for and pulls the information from that. Then, from either your IT department or from the customer service or of whatever hosting provider you decide to go with, you'll need to upload two things. One being the audio file that you created, and second is the RSS feed. Then once that is together, you're podcasting, ladies and gentlemen. So the RSS feed is really much is more really just instructions of what they're supposed to do with this audio file when they get it. Absolutely. So you, they won't be able to do anything with that audio file unless they have the feed instructions to go along with it. Right. And you can put in more in-depth instruction in the description area. If you use Feed for All to create your feed, use your description area to put in more detailed instruction. Very briefly, one of the now more commonly used podcatching software out there is iTunes. Let's see if it brings it up here. iTunes has a whole area in the music store labeled for podcast. So there's plenty more that you can subscribe to out there. Even if you missed Desperate Housewives last night, you can now watch it. <laughs> so the video, the video podcasts are out there. Mm-hmm. That's the that is the good part. This is free. All of the information, all of these podcasts out there. People are doing this for free. Companies are taking notice of us. Companies now are offering to sponsor our podcast. And say if a newspaper or a local radio station wants to sponsor you, you can use that money to fund school activities. I have two sponsors in my show. I've got Citrix Online and GoDaddy. Mm-hmm. I just had to do a 30-minute commercial at the beginning of each show, and that's it. 30 seconds, sorry. 30 seconds. Where's my caffeine? I don't think it hit. <laughs> and I'm paid by the number of times I download. Or I'm downloaded. And now, is there any other questions? I know we're right on time here. We're a few minutes behind. I, I, I'm sitting here visualizing, you know, this being similar to a narration that was that if I wanted to put together a PowerPoint, but here's my lecture notes, uh -huh. I can narrate it 
how this may say file this big. Uh -huh. Am I going to be more efficient if I do the slideshow separately and then they have to download and listen to this simultaneously and kind of do like the old reading book now, you know, when you hear the ding, you know, <laughs> the next slide or something like that? Actually, there's a great tool plug-in that is with PowerPoint. It's called Microsoft PowerPoint Producer. It's available as a free download from Microsoft Office's website. So you can actually put in a video of you reading the instruction along with the PowerPoint slide and have it all compressed down into one file. So that's not really going to, that doesn't take advantage of this podcasting. Yes, it can. Oh, okay. Yes, it can. Okay, and there are other rendering software out there that can take that producer file that you create and transform it into a file that can be put into an iPod or played in QuickTime. Any other questions? Again, I want to thank you all for listening to a geek rant on about podcasting. I hope you guys take advantage of this. And if you, any of your fellow teachers miss